Greetings, podcast universe. This is Gary Stern. And this is Lucy Sang. We are the co-hosts of After the Glory podcast. Every elite athlete has one thing in common. Their careers on the field of play will only be a tiny fraction of the life of meaning and purpose they hope to live. As UCLA alums from different generations, Gary and I have discovered that the stories of these great athletes go far beyond their statistics. It is our pleasure to share these stories with our listeners. We hope you will enjoy this latest episode of After the Glory. This is Lucy Sang with my co-host Gary Stern and our special guest today, Derek Cox. Derek was born and raised in Greenville, North Carolina. He received a full scholarship to play football for the College of William and Mary. He graduated with a bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration in entrepreneurship. Upon graduation, Derek was drafted in the third round of the 2009 NFL National Football League draft by the Jacksonville Jaguars. In the first game of the season in his rookie year, he intercepted Peyton Manning and had a fumble recovery. During his career of seven years, he also played for the San Diego Chargers, Minnesota Vikings, Baltimore Ravens, and the New England Patriots. After retiring from professional football in 2016, he moved from Virginia back to San Diego. Derek is currently pursuing his master's in business administration at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. And when he is not studying or with his son, Derek enjoys cooking and weightlifting. Derek, welcome to After the Glory. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Good to be here with you guys. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Let's start right into a similar question I've asked other guests. Why football? Was football your your main sport of choice to begin with? You know, for myself, actually, I started out first with baseball. Uh, and mm. I was eight, eight years old. And, you know, it was actually my dream to play in the major league. And so, uh, Gary, you'll appreciate that. Uh, I know you're a major league baseball fan. So that was where I was headed. And I remember writing that down in the fourth grade that I was going to be a major league uh, baseball player. So that was the dream. But uh, things manifested differently. When you were going through different sports, Derek, um, we've had a number of people tell us that surprisingly they don't start tackle football until much later than one would think. Uh, when you first got a, a piece of, of football, was it flag football or Pop Warner? Uh, how did you get involved? The first taste for all of us is, uh, you know, actually it's, it's never organized. It's in the park, it's in the neighborhood. I'm coming to your neighborhood, I'm coming to your backyard and we're gonna get it in. And we just <laughs> called it, we called it Rack the Man. That was my first taste with football. Um, and Rack the Man is basically, uh, you know, it might be however many guys are out there. It could be 10, 15, 20, however many. You throw the football up in the air, whoever catches it, they get the punishment. And you and everybody, it's one man versus everybody to the, to the end zone. So That's awesome. That was my taste of football initially. And that's where I, I actually had a desire for the game. Uh, was playing in the backyard and just going from one backyard to the next looking for somebody with a football. And when did it become serious and organized? My first uh, experience of organized football was when I was 10. I uh, played when I was 10 and uh, you know my, my first team, we, we, we were an expansion team for the league 
because they had so many kids sign up, and uh, it was the Panthers. I played for the Panthers. Uh, we were the worst <laughs> team in the league. Worst team in the league. Uh, but, uh, you know, great experience. Uh, real great experience and a good introduction for me to football. Uh, so got and it then, going and kept it going. And then high school? Where did you go to high school? So I went to high school at J.H. Uh, Rose High School um, in Greenville, North Carolina. And uh, we actually had a, a solid program um, that, you know, we were, we were able to win the state championship my senior year, as a matter of fact. So, and, and, and they went on to win it uh, three more years after I graduated. So just gives you an idea of where the program was headed as I uh, graduated as a senior. Well, it sounds like you went from the worst team in the league to the best team in the state, huh? That's you know great. that that Pop Warner team. Though we were the worst the first year, but my second year we were first. So, All because of you, Derek. You know, <laughs> I, I tried to do what I can, and and it helped the team. That's pretty yeah. awesome. So you just described kind of the the first taste of football in an unorganized fashion, and. As we all know, everybody watches sports mainly for the offensive side of things, scoring points, right? But obviously your career has turned quite a bit differently. Tell us a little more about playing defense and why that kind of, you know, one of my favorite points is often sells tickets, defense wins game. Yeah, uh, for myself, you know, I played both sides of the ball growing up. You know, that first experience, you know, offense and defense, I went to middle school, it was the same thing, offense and defense. Um, and then when I got to high school, a little bit of the same, you know, offense and defense. And, you know, statistically, I just started performing very well on defense. Um, and, you know, that really caught the eyes of uh, collegiate coaches. And that's where the opportunities for me kind of came in. And I had that desire. I, I wanted to play on defense. I admire players like Deion Sanders and, and Charles Woodson, and, and and they really got me going. Champ Bailey, you know, these guys that played both sides of the ball. And and there was just something about defense. Like, you know, you you just on a prima donna on defense. Like <laughs> you you had to be a little, you know, tough and, and there was a toughness associated with, with defense that I identified with and, and wanted to be a part of my brand. Now, as you got yourself toward the time to start looking at colleges, um, how were the academics? Was the academics something that your family instilled in you? Was football a dominant thing in your life? Um, how did you balance those two? Yes, then that's a that's a tough component balancing the two. You know, because you you play a I mean you're playing a ton, and, and football wasn't the only thing that I played. So just balancing the two, your academics and, and the athletics. Um, you know, it's very hard, but I, I have to give a shout out to my mother who is an educator. And, uh, you know, my mom taught first and second grade, you know, during her teaching career. And, you know, mom and dad were big on, hey, the academic portion. So for us and in, in my household, you know, you're talking about I'm the youngest of five kids and all of us, you know, graduated from college you know, which you don't see, you know, for especially a black family, you don't see that a ton. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely have to give props to my mother and father for really pushing us in that regard of taking care of the academics. And so it was important to me. When we come back on After the Glory, Gary Stern here with Lucy Singh, uh, we will uh, discuss the College of William and Mary uh, as we have begun season two. This is our first guest.
who attended the College of William and Mary, perhaps not the last, when we come back with Eric Cox. Have you ever wanted to experience the thrill of playing spring training baseball with some of the game's legends? At LED ABC, we believe you should be able to live your dream of being a pro baseball player, and now you can. The LED ABC Adult Baseball Camp is an independently owned and operated fantasy camp for men and women over the age of 30. As an independent camp, you can be a fan of any team from any city and you'll feel right at home with us. Our next camp is scheduled for November 7th through the 13th, 2021, and will be held at the historic Dodger Town Complex in Vero Beach, Florida, now known as the Jackie Robinson Training Complex. You'll play ball all week long on the best practice fields in the nation. You'll enjoy use of state-of-the-art facilities and you'll be pampered and cared for just like a major leaguer. We invite you to visit our website and sign up for our November 2021 camp. Just go to www.ladabc.com. That's ladabc.com. Thinking about a new or used car? Think Infinity of Thousand Oaks. We've been serving Thousand Oaks in Southern California for years. We have new, used, and certified pre-owned Infinity vehicles available now with many special offers. There's something for everyone at Infinity of Thousand Oaks, your home for the best deals on Infinity cars. With the COVID pandemic, we offer contactless sales. Call our office at 805-262-7442 or visit Infinity of Thousand Oaks. Pick out a vehicle and we'll deliver it to your home or office with all the paperwork done with the power of the Internet. Our award-winning sales and service team is waiting to give you the best service in buying a vehicle you've ever had. Call us today at 805-262-7442 and make an appointment for your new 2021 Infinity or visit our website at infinityofthousandoaks.com. Infinity of Thousand Oaks is a proud sponsor of After the Glory. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Singh with Gary Stern and Derek Cox. Derek, tell us about your recruitment process and how you ended up with the full scholarship. So the recruitment process for me, um, it's an exciting experience. Uh, I think I, I made the best of it. I included my parents in it. Uh, my mom and dad, they attended all, all visits with me. They let me make the decision, which was, I think, you know, key for for me in terms of sticking it out at William and Mary, and so I you know I I visited Coastal Carolina, uh, Appalachian State, Wofford College, and William and Mary, and ultimately I decided to go with William and Mary, uh, and it was a great decision. My host he was the only host out of all my trips to like be confident enough to share his faith, you know, and his beliefs. Uh, you know, in, in God. And that was something that was, that stood out to me um, and, and assisted me in making that decision. And, you know, William & Mary strong on academics and, it's, and it had a solid athletic program. So uh, those things factored into me deciding to go to William & Mary. Um, and when I did go, like, or, or through that recruiting process, like I said, my, my parents let me make that decision. And I think that was tremendous for me because my first two years of school, like I battled being homesick. I wanted to be home. And the first opportunity that I could get to go home, like I just took it. I mean, it could have been like three hours and I was like happy to take it. By them allowing me to make that decision though, like I never got to a place where I said, hey, I need to leave William and Mary because this homesickness, I mean, two years, you're talking about two years where you're dealing with homesickness, like, 
most people fold. Yeah. I know I know plenty of people that fold off of facing that sort of turmoil in their emotions. And so because I made the decision and it was on me, it, there wasn't any one I could point the finger at and say, you know, you wanted me to be here and I and so I want to leave and come back home. You know, I want to leave and go somewhere else. No, I made the decision. So it was on me. And so I stuck it out for those two years. And so, 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 so that I stuck it out. You know, Derek, uh, uh, what we know and, and certainly what we're going to emphasize, certainly by this question, is that just this year, you received the news that you are um, an inductee into the William & Mary Athletic Hall of Fame. So as a Hall of Famer, you must have done a lot of things right, both in terms of your uh, behavior uh, on campus and your leadership of the team. Uh, and it sounds like it was a solid four-year career, both academically and athletically. Tell us about your career, uh, on, especially on the field uh, and then off the field at William & Mary. Yes, sir. And, and you know, I, you know that, that it's an honor to be called into William & Mary's Hall of Fame and, and to be amongst the great names in the Hall of Fame at William & Mary. Uh, it's just, you know, an incredible achievement. I didn't have my eyes set on that, like, you know, going into William & Mary. It, was, it wasn't as if I said, you know, I want to walk away from here and be in William & Mary's Hall of Fame. Um, but when I look and reflect on my career, I am most proud of the fact that, like, I got to serve as team captain at William & Mary for two years. I was nominated my junior year and I was nominated my senior year. And um, that's, you know, it doesn't happen often uh, for, for anyone. And so the hard work that you put in and, and the respect that you gain from your teammates, that's the rich quality to me. My teammates respecting me, like that's rich. Did leadership become something that dawned on you? You know, at William & Mary, I just know that I started seeing the leadership that was around me and to me it was I felt it I felt that there could be better leadership and I don't take anything away from the guys I think that they were at the place that they were at for whatever reason but I saw it and I said there can be better leadership here and so it was a focus of mine that's incredible and if we could jump right into life after the collegiate glory you went straight into the NFL and as you have heard, I'm sure before, most people kind of refer to the NFL as not for long. But for you, you've actually excelled the years of service in the league, you know, above and beyond the average. So what were, what were your seven years like? So the seven years, I mean, the NFL is, is it's just a, it's a different beast that you're tackling. That experience really has turned me into a different creature, I would say, you know, the psychological strain that gets placed on you uh, playing the game and, and playing at that level, the expectation, the scrutiny that's put on you day in and day out, the evaluation, all of that just really shaped me into somebody that is designed for, for pressure. And, and, and handling the pressure that comes on. So that was a part of the experience. I mean, you know, the highs and lows, yeah, they come and go and, and all of that stuff. Wins and losses, they come and go. But from what I take away from it, I'm just like, you know, it's really equipped me to handle a lot of things psychologically. Absolutely. And we all know 
football is a very physical game. And I, I found it surprising. Well, not quite surprising, but the first thing you mentioned when I asked you about your professional career was not even the physical part of it. I'd love for you to dive into that. But also you said psychological strain. What does that mean? Just look at the NFL and, and how much is on the line. Like the industry itself, we're talking about billions of dollars that these teams are pulling in year after year. And I mean, there's a heavy investment on each of these athletes that are on the field. And in the midst of it, you don't really realize it, that this is, is such a business. You know, and I don't, I really didn't gain that insight until leaving the game and, and being in school now and studying, you know, sports marketing and, and seeing like, man, this is a business and there's an expectation. This is entertainment. We want to put a good quality product on the field. And if you aren't doing it as a player, it's next man up. So you have to be sharp in your mindset uh, and in your preparation with how you're handling that level of scrutiny that's placed on you every day. When we come back, we'll ask Derek more specifically about the physical and mental strains that he personally went through. Since 1980, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern has been known as a lawyer's lawyer, passionate about his clients and equally passionate about bringing honor, dignity, and respect to the legal profession. Gary Stern represents folks seriously injured because of healthcare negligence, defective and dangerous products and property, neglect in long-term care facilities, and careless operation of cars and trucks. He has successfully resolved hundreds of cases for his clients, providing them with the financial help they needed during trying times. Gary Stern is a member of the prestigious National Trial Lawyers Top 100, active with consumer attorneys of Los Angeles and California, and is admitted to the bar of the Supreme Court of the United States. And most important, I am proud to call him dad. You can reach Gary Stern at 818-710-2717 or visit his website at www.sternlaw.org. University Credit Union has been providing a financial edge to members for 70 years. Now you can earn more with University Credit Union. Earn up to 5% APY with a university checking account for the banking you already do. Save more when you switch your deposits and loans to University Credit Union. Bank with your brain. Visit ucu.org to join today. Federally insured by NCUA. Terms and conditions apply. We are back on After the Glory with Gary Stern, my partner Lucy Sang, and our special guest, Derek Cox. Derek, when we were uh, last talking about the NFL, uh, you, you really were uh, out front about the psychological and the physical strain. And of course, we've heard this from a number of other of our guests that unique among the professional sports, football seems to really take a toll on, on athletes, even at the highest level coming out of college. Um, I know that uh, uh, we saw a video uh, from your internship with the uh, Aldrich Financial Group, and you specifically addressed questions as to the challenges of coming into new wealth. Can you uh, talk about the psychological uh, aspects of, of the NFL from the standpoint of, of signing this major new financial deal that changes your life? Yes, yeah, and it, it takes a toll on you as well. Um, you know, because 
it, it can really change a lot of the relationships that are around you. And you're not prepared for a lot of these things. Nobody is, you know, but you have to face them head on and you need help, you know, in terms of navigating these waters with you just signed this big contract. You have all of this extra finances that you didn't have before. But then you also have a lot of these guys come from families where, hey, you are the breadwinner for the family. You know, from a generational standpoint, you are the breadwinner for that household. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of expectations people have for you that you're expected to meet. And you don't want to disappoint people. You know, nobody likes to disappoint people. And, and it's an exciting time. But that alone creates its own form of emotional stress. Do, do you think that that the colleges and obviously the college athletics programs are not going to go into the NFL. But do you think there's something lacking at the college level in terms of preparing um, elite athletes for the professional game if of those few that are going to go into the professional game? Yes, and I, I would say I think a lot of it, I even think that there needs to be more hands on deck and it might even start at the high school level. Uh, the communication that needs to to be you know, given to these athletes at, at an early age to understand that like, okay, uh, the NFL is, is not about, you know, you know, all of this wealth so that I can, you know, just waste it on frivolous things. Because what we got to realize is that when people blow their money, it's not as if the thought just came upon them once they got to the professional ranks. Whatever was inside of them only it only got magnified at the professional rank once they made the 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 you know the additional finances that's when you know things started to be magnified but they were building when they were in high school and in college in your professional career how did you overcome those challenges in terms of uh, your newfound wealth in terms of dealing with such things as taxes and the impact of and the impact of taxes uh, other financial aspects how did you overcome it's it's about having a good team around you and you know it's hard to trust people you know and, and people will make mistakes but that's where you need a good agent that can speak to you about okay you know who you need as an accountant because your 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 taxes are going to be a little more complex than the just the average guy because you're making money in different states across the country and having the right financial advisor to tell you, okay, no, you don't need to get into that uh, risky investment. Like, you know, let's diversify you with a, you know, stock portfolio uh, and, and, and continue growing and building that way. And, and you take all your risk on the field. Let's not take risk, you know, with our money. Let's be smart with our money and, and, and really assess opportunity. Starting there is a great place to protect yourself and having, and I think, you know, agents play a great role in terms of surrounding that player with the right team because the agent is the first person that they actually hire for their team. Derek, I love that you talk about having a trustworthy and dependable agent and knowing where you are in your life after the glory. You're finding new glory in pursuing an MBA at UCLA. Woohoo! <laughs> what does that look like for you? Tell us more about after graduation. What are you planning to do? Yes. So for me, coming into grad school uh, was strictly to become an agent. 
a super agent and represent these guys uh, and, and provide them with that team member that can help shield them from, you know, all, all of the different things that they're going to face and things that can come up against them so they can navigate that professional career effectively. Let me ask you this, Derek, in bringing the NFL career to a close, and, and we've, we've seen this repeatedly, um, the, the career doesn't exactly take the journey that you ideally wanted to take. That first year played a full season. After that, it sounds like injuries uh, got in the way of, of success in the next few years. And eventually you have to walk away. And it's hard. You're you're in front of up to a hundred thousand fans. The cheering can be a, a its own sort of a, a drug, uh, and yet you have to walk away. How did you handle the ending of your career and your thoughts about moving on with your life? Yeah, Gary. What what you're mentioning is when we play the game at the professional level, we call it blowing out our candle. You know, we all want to blow out our own candle. Uh, but not every man gets to do that. Not every man gets to, you know, retire with a Super Bowl uh, win and, and ride off into the sunset like a Peyton Manning or a Ray Lewis. A lot of us, yes, you might go through these different struggles, these trials, and and have the career just kind of end abruptly. You know, for myself, uh, having that experience, you know, where, hey, you know, uh, things didn't go the way I quite planned, you know, for me, it's it's giving me the drive on the other side of the game because I'm going after representing players to help them specifically in this area of managing your professional career. Because I've had the successes, I've had the mistakes physically, financially, you know, mentally, relationally. Don't forget, Derek, I, and I say this with every athlete, every elite athlete, like a physicist, like a, a, a chemist, everybody does it at some point in their life. There are only a few who win the Nobel Prize, and there are only a few who go to the NFL. You are one of the greats in your sport by getting to the NFL in the first place. And after all, you intercepted Peyton Manning. You intercepted Andrew Luck. You intercepted Tom Brady. Not many people can say that, correct? Certainly. I'm grateful. 100%. And when we come back, we'll ask Derek about the transferable skills that he learned on the field and relate it to life after the glory. Here on After the Glory with Lucy Singh and Gary Stern. Hey, this is Lucy Singh here from Resiliency. I am a certified life coach focused on working with athletes and like-minded people in finding and pursuing success in life outside of sports. My goals are to serve as an accountability partner and offer different perspectives while my clients are facing big challenges and decisions. I also lead workshops and offer group coaching on topics such as avoiding burnout or transferable skills. Follow me on Instagram at resiliency, R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E, underscore coaching, resiliency underscore coaching, for more information. As a co-host of After the Glory, I am excited to share my expertise in working with athletes and look forward to connecting with all you listeners to learn more of your stories as well. And we're back on After the Glory as we wrap up this episode with Derek Cox. Derek, tell us a little more about the transferable skills that you learned on the field and now are using off the field. Certainly. You know, I think playing the game, um, you know, you just – there's that uh, there's that adaptability that you 
that you learn uh, from from being that environment. And you know, and I mentioned I mentioned how I even felt about or, or experiencing the psychological strain and how that's prepared me for pressure outside of the sport. You know, with, within within other things that I face, it, they just don't seem or the pressure is not as intense, so it doesn't affect me the same way. But you know, the game itself. When I look at it and I, I reflect and I say, okay, you know, what skills? And, and 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 to me, these soft skills that you take from the game are more, like they're, they're hard skills. We can all develop. Like we can all develop hard skills, Definitely. but soft skills, like some of these soft skills that you take and that you're that you're developing while you play the game and that you're forced to do while you're playing the game. You know, I. I I look at it and I say, man, like they're actually there. There, there may be a bigger bang for your buck with these soft skills that you that you take, especially like collaborating on teams and communicating, you know, and yeah. and, and creativity and critical thinking. Like these are things that really get honed from playing the game week in and week out, strategizing to beat the opponent. And something we brought up earlier, the the financial aspect of it, you know, a, a clear transferable skill that we haven't discussed yet is discipline, right? It, you mentioned that the transferable skills that need to happen might even need to start at the high school level, not just at the collegiate level, because the competitivism starts overtaking the the building of these soft skills, right? And if you have that sense of discipline grilled in you from a very early start, any adversity that you face in life can come with a sense of discipline. And I think that's kind of what you were referring to is when you have a little too much flexibility, like all of a sudden someone hands you a six, maybe seven figure check, and you've never really been paid in your life. When you have to make those decisions, it's not that second you made that decision. It's the upbringing and the discipline that you've maybe not been able to build that forces you to make a decision that later on may not be for your best interest. Every rep that we get, you know, that this, you know, all of it is shaping and molding who you are and everything, everything matters. Like I remember Philip Rivers used to say that everything matters and, and it all comes into play. So how you show up each day to practice for life, it all matters. And you have to be quality in your approach to every day you come to practice. Derek, before we uh, wrap up this episode of After the Glory, I think I would be remiss. Normally, we don't talk about the stuff that goes on between the lines, but I just have to ask you this. It's your rookie season. You had one of the great rookie seasons in the NFL, um, and that first interception of Peyton Manning, a Hall of Famer like no other. Just tell us a little about intercepting Peyton Manning that rookie year. What's so crazy is when I made that interception, the first thought that ran through my head was, man, if it's this easy, well, I'm going to destroy the NFL. That was my first thought when I got that interception. I was like, it's too easy. I didn't have any interceptions that that easy. It's not as if, like, this was a fluke play or something like that, and I just happened to, like, fall into the ball or anything like that. No, like, it was a play that had to be made, and athleticism required to make the play uh, and technique needed, but it was like, for me, I was just like, I was like, man, in the NFL, it's going to be hard to get this this interception. <laughs> and that first one, I was like, man, I'm, but what happened was, you know, in the NFL, they are meticulous about studying the opponent. And he had not seen anything on me. So 
he didn't know what coverage I was in because he had no tape on me. I was lined up and he just thought that like, oh, he thought that he had a certain coverage. He thought he had man-to-man -man coverage and I was actually in cover two. And, and it was just an easy interception. I highly recommend our listeners look up the replay of that interception. <laughs> you, I want to bring it back uh, full circle. In the interview that uh, you gave with the William & Mary uh, College News in just a few months ago in July, um, you said that you never set your goal to be in the Hall of Fame at, at William & Mary. And it, when you look at receiving the honor, it, it really reinforces the importance of caring for others because that's what my career was. And what's interesting is that the former coach, uh, Jimmy Laycock at, uh, at William & Mary said, quote, he had a nice knack of dealing with the players. He was someone I know the younger guys really looked up to and valued his opinion on things. Derek, it sounds like you have set yourself up from very early in your college career for great success after the glory. We can't thank you enough um, and hope that uh, you'll come back to us when you are one of the fine agents in all of the NFL. And just thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for uh, sharing yourself with our audience today. And this is Lucy Sang and Gary Stern with our special guest, Derek Cox, on After the Glory. Thank you to our sound engineer, the insane Daryl Wayne, and our producer, Mark Allen, on After the Glory. After the Glory.